25% through the NBA season. Here we are after the Thanksgiving break. We've returned. We took a little break over Thanksgiving just to spend some time with the family, but we're back on the podcast, the Second Stringers NBA podcast. Today we'll talk the best performers of the week, worst performers of the week, the Corver trade, and who's been the biggest surprise uh, through this quarter way through the season, the Clippers, Celtics, or Grizzlies. But first, there's another team out west who's also been turning heads, and that's the Sacramento Kings. So, Sean, the Kings are over 500 right now through their first 18 games. And this is the first time since when, you think? Ooh. <laughs> so, I'm guessing it's been a while, Alan. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, for, first of all, I think it's really impressive that the Kings are, at this point in the season, still in it. Like, at first it looked like a dud, but, I mean, they're still playing really well. These young guys seem like they're playing super well, way better than we thought that they would be playing at this point. They're giving the Clippers a good run for their money tonight. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to have to guess uh, over 500 through first 18 games, first time since, I'll say 2008. 2008? Yeah. Okay, Was I too close. conservative? That's a yeah. That's a little too conservative. I'll say. I'll give you a second shot at it. So, oh. it's gonna be even further back. Okay. Maybe not even further back. Not that, but far further back than two thousand eight. Man. But still within the millennium. So okay. No, so we're before not, we're two, not, after two thousand, then we're talking. Yeah. Okay. So, be, yeah, so not like nineteen ninety four. Not that oh, okay, bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll go two thousand two. Two thousand two. Man, you were close. Yeah. So it's 2004-2005 wow. season is the last time they were through fi- they were at 500 through the first 18 games Man. of the year for the Sacramento Kings. Man, I barely remember what was even happening in 0405. Was that was Mike Bibby there? Was that Mike Bibby time? Yeah, Mike Bibby was still on that team. I think Peja Stojakovic was still on yeah, that was team. Was Chris Webber? Cl- I want to say Chris Webber was on that team, but I think he he had he had a couple injuries that year. I don't think Vladdy Divac was on that team anymore. Yeah, um, I think that was like Brad Miller days. That's there. funny. Now Vladdy's the owner. <laughs> yeah, and he's doing a good job with this oh, squad. I mean, I mean, he was one of like the most hated on GMs going into the season. Like this guy can't manage anything, and now look at all these young guys just stepping up. Yeah, these are his picks that are really carrying this team. We're not talking about a free agent that just walked in the door and has turned this team around. It's yeah. the young guys. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, man. Uh, do you, uh, I mean, they, I don't think they would be the biggest surprise of this season so far, but they are definitely up there. Right, so they're up there, but three teams really stand out right now, at least their performance when we're talking about the big, the bigger surprises as we're, as we hit the 25% mark of the NBA season And number one here, it's gotta be the Los Angeles Clippers who, as we yeah, speak, buddy. are the number one team in the West. Number um, one. This is, this is a team with no all-stars, a bunch of journeymen really in Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, um, a dude who came across the entire ocean and Milos Teodostic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a journey right there. Exactly. And being coached by Doc Rivers, who's in year 20 of his coaching career. And right now we could be seeing his best coaching performance, in my opinion, that I've ever seen him put together. I mean, even... I mean, if he can get this team to the playoffs and even further than that, um, it's right. It's got to be maybe not quite on the same level as winning a championship in 2008, but probably not far, not that far back. Oh, definitely not that far back. Like, I would say that there's a chance that this even surpasses that just because of the talent level going into the season that you saw this team having. You're like, yeah, they have a lot of good players, but all stars. There's no all stars, like you said before. And. Mm-hmm. We know that all-stars, that's that's what everyone goes for. Big-name free agents. That's how you make your team. That's how you build your team. And the Clippers right. have gone completely against the grain this year. And, you know, you got, you got to think Jerry West is definitely part of this too. But Doc Rivers being able to coach this team is huge. And it's great because you have so many guys that can step up. It really mitigates what has been a problem for the Clippers in the past is with injuries. And when, yeah, right. when you have injuries to your star players, you can't really step up. But now you see, like, they have guys like Avery Bradley and Mamba Mute go out. You don't even notice. Um, yeah, and, or Bobin. Yeah, you start or Bobin, Bobin at yeah. times. And, like, I mean, it, it'll be maybe it's a different story if, if Danilo or Tobias can't play. Uh, we've yet to see that. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen to either of them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, between those two guys, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell coming off the bench, there's so many overachieving players right now for this team. It it's yeah. it's really incredible. Like it's almost stunning to just see this team be in a lot of close games, but be winning in the clutch. Um, right. with, with players that aren't all-stars and all-stars are supposed to be the ones that are the clutch players, but it's actually Lou Williams that's out playing them. Yeah. And I texted you over the Thanksgiving break that I was going to go check out a Clipper game because I just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I had nothing to do and, and it's not because I had nothing to do that I went to a Clipper game, but I had just had to check this team out and it's great basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. There's no star player really just cheating this team through through wins. It's really just um, efficiency, um, great roles. Everybody knows their roles on this team. And like you said, even when they're down, they still continue to fight. Like specifically that game against the Memphis Grizzlies. What a great oh, comeback man. performance. I am together. so jealous that you got to see that game. Dude, you text me like, dude, I got tickets to this game. $25 for this game. Yeah. <laughs> they are below the radar team. It's it's different. It's definitely a different atmosphere than, say, a Laker or Warrior game because that star power isn't there. I like to think that real basketball fans are there, people who just enjoy watching um, the game played very well. And that's that's really what the Clippers do is they got to use all their pieces. And I think a question to ask about this team is who truly is the franchise player here? Is it (laughs) Tobias Harris? Is it Lou Williams? Is it Montrezl Harrell? Mm. Maybe Bobin? Maybe Bobin, man. (laughs) Bobin, so, I mean, franchise player might be saying much, but he's definitely, like, the soul of this team. Like, Bobin... and I mean, you can put Montrez Harrell in that. Montrez Harrell and Bobin are like the soul of this team. Like everybody okay. loves Bobin, and Montrez is just like five engines in one player. Like this guy has yeah. so many engines, he has enough to give out. This guy just plays <laughs> with a hundred percent anger and drive every play, and it's so cool to watch. But if you're talking franchise player, it is Tobias Harris. I think he's definitely snuck his way into a top 10 conversation for best small forwards or like wings yeah. in the league right now. Definitely. Um, really under the radar. I mean, his shooting is fantastic this year, shooting 43% from three, which is amazing yeah. for him. 53% overall. Um, and like we said before the season, like we needed Tobias Harris for this team to succeed. We needed him to improve on his points per game. And he's done that. Um, increasing it to 21 points a game this year. So I mean, just watching this guy play, he has this confidence now um, in, in a, I forget what year this is. I think it's his seventh year in the league, uh, 26 yeah. years old now. He he just really knows his place in the league, knows how to play the game, play it right, play it well. Yeah. And he's, he's the one leading this team to a lot of these victories. Yeah, it's interesting for a guy like this who's kind of just been bounced around the league despite really – improving every year there they've been small improvements um but check this out since 2016 he's been steadily improving his points per game by one point i mean i guess you could easily think oh maybe he's gonna hit a ceiling at 16 or 18 points per game but now he's at 21 points per game and he's been doing it efficiently as ever um you noted there the field goal percentages um and he's get he's putting in the wide open threes he moves he uses the pick and roll really well the pick and pop at six nine i mean He's a very versatile guy, and when you're talking about it at the end of this year, is he a max-type player? I don't know if he's a max-type player, but he's definitely going to get a paycheck because at six foot nine, able to play the small forward, the power forward, and shoot the three and command the pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll, that's, that's is, that is very necessary Super to any valuable. team right now. Right. I mean, he. it's like be, you, you look at a team, you're like be, Tobias Harris being your best player. I'm not very excited about it. Well, the Clippers are doing yeah. it right now. And if you look at the Clippers, like, OK, wow, like they're onto something. And Tobias is the guy there for them. And I think he's going to go into free agency next year. And if he keep, continues at this pace or even improves upon it somehow in the second half of the season, you're going to see this guy getting... I could see the Clippers offering him one of these max contracts that they're going to have available at the end of the year just because of what he's meant to this franchise over the last two years. Yeah, as a general manager, if I'm the Clippers, if I can get away with not giving him a max sure. contract, I will. But, but I, man, I mean, if you, at 26 years old, yeah, yeah it, it makes a lot of sense. It does. You'll have him for all his best years. And, I mean, if you look at the Clippers making the playoffs this 
this year, like if they do that with Tobias Harris as their best player, there's no reason not to give him this money. You know, you have the two max slots. Say you bring in a a Kawhi or a, a Kevin Durant or one of these other stars adding already to the super crazy depth that they already have. Like, I think they can get away with doing that, even if it doesn't seem like he deserves a max. Yeah, the truth is, I'm not sure how likely it is that any of those players come to the Clippers. So if I'm the Clippers, I would not do what the Lakers did and risk and low ball guys in order to, you know, save room for the for potentially getting a big star. I think if you're the Clippers, you got to tie up Tobias mm-hmm. as soon as you can and not low ball this yeah, man. Yeah, no, yeah. In do not low ball him. I, uh, a Durant or something. <laughs> right, or else he'll go to like Brooklyn or something terrible. Right. And I mean, another guy who deserves some credit here, probably just as equally as Tobias Harris, is Montrez Har- uh, Tobias Harris is Montrez Harrell at mm-hmm. 15.9 points a game, 64% shooting, seven rebounds. I mean, we're talking about the Clipper team that already has the reigning six man of the year from last year. And that that six man of the year award might stay <laughs> in Clippers land with Montrez Harrell. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you're talking about almost 16 points a game right now and 64% shooting. Obviously, a lot of that in the post, but man, if you watch this guy play, he just has the prettiest little sweeping hook in the lane, and it goes in so many more times than not, and the energy he plays with just, it's so infectious on the team and the fan base, like, everyone's into him when Montrez is on the floor, and it's like, you look at Tobias being the best player, but... Man, if I had to pick a jersey for any of these guys that I was going to get on this team, it, I think it would be Montrez. Yeah, Montrez definitely brings another, brings some edge to this team, both defensively and offensively. And, I mean, also Doc Rivers here, let's just shoot out some stats about just the Clippers. The story for the Clippers mm-hmm. is just efficiency. I mean, they're not elite in any certain category, but they're just a, an efficient team that uh, really u- utilizes the pick and roll, the pick and pop very well, um, and does some quick hustle play so they're fourth in the league in three-point shooting percentage at 38 percent even though they're 29th in three-point attempts so they're not necessarily that high power fast pace team that everybody wants to trend towards they're fifth in free throw shooting and eighth in field goal percentage they're sort of just a patient team that goes out there and looks for that best shot and like i said utilizes that pick and pop with tobias or finds montrez harold down low um or galinari who's been shooting lights out from three as well and he's been healthy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's been healthy. Yeah, which fingers is helpful, crossed. Helpful. <laughs> yeah, and um, just one last note here is Tobias Harris, uh, named Western Conference Player of the Week after averaging 24 points and 8.5 rebounds this week. Well-deserved for this man, I think. Yeah, man. This Clipper team, it, it makes me so happy to be a Clippers fan right now. All the bandwagoners have left. All the Blake Griffin, all the Chris Paul <laughs> bandwagoners are gone. It's only the true fans that remain and you know what? We're welcoming all members still. Come on aboard. <laughs> what are the chances the Clippers actually finish within top three? You think this is here? This is something to stay like a top three seed in the West? Yeah, I, I give it like a, I give it a good 50-50. 50-50. Yeah. I guess it it really is gonna come down to a coin toss. I think their chance of playoffs is pretty high at this point, though. Like just the yeah. way they're playing and how consistent they are. I think the consistency is gonna be really important for them. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of these other teams are inconsistent. You look at guys like the Rockets and the Timberwolves all up and down, but the Clippers are just steadily winning games. So, uh, yeah, I, I give the Clippers like a good 90% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, right now they've only lost once at home, which is the best mm-hmm. record in the West. Yeah. Um, five and five away. So they do have a road trip coming up, a four-game road trip. So it'll be interesting to see where they're at after that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of playoffs, yeah, I think they're they're here to stay in terms of playoff contention. Um, top three, I'm still I'm I'm still not willing to put my money in that yeah. in that bet. Yeah, it's hard, but I mean, after the Warriors, I mean, who? I mean, any it's anyone's game, really. You know, like we still like mm-hmm. once Steph Curry comes back, like I don't think either of us have any doubt that the Warriors will overtake the number one seed again. Right. Um, but yeah, until then, like the Clippers, they're they're chilling up there at top. You know, <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah, it's king of the hill right now. Um, they're the king. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from there, what about the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, the Justin Timberlake-owned team is back in playoff contention despite <laughs> having a top eight protected pick this year that could have gone that goes to the Boston Celtics. And right now it looks like that pick is going to Boston as Memphis 
currently is sitting six in the West. Um, but at one point they were just this last week they were second in the West, but they just came they just lost a couple games. Um, but they're not that far there. Uh, this is a team that's last in pace, <laughs> and just like the Clippers, this team does not care about the high power three point. Um, offenses that are going around in the NBA right now. They're playing their game and they're back to that grid and gu- grid and grind. Six in defensive rating, led by 33 year old Marcus Sol mm-hmm. and 31 year old M- Mike Conley. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you love this. Alan. It's probably a little heartbreaking to see your grit and grind Grizzlies get uh, beaten by the Clippers in that game. Even though I know you got it some was. love for the Clippers too, but. This Memphis yeah. team, man, like you have to like them too because this is another team just like the Clippers, just like the Kings that we were talking about earlier. Like these guys are just completely outperforming any expectations we had for them at the mm-hmm. start of the season. Like I gave Memphis like a 0% chance to make the playoffs this year with how stacked the West is. And yeah, yeah. somehow they're defying the odds. They're playing completely outside of the modern NBA. Uh, with no pace at all, being led by a bunch of old guys and a, a true slow center, but he can still shoot yeah. from outside, but like still like a traditional center. You have these. Yeah, he's no Jokic. He's, he's yeah, no he's Jokic. no Jokic. Yeah, exactly. No Embiid, but yeah, you got these these guys: Garrett Temple, Shelvin Mack, Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, man, this this guy's really he's playing so well just for a rookie right now, just starting out right. his NBA career. Like, he's gonna be really special. Yeah, and what a perfect fit for him. I mean, mm-hmm. his stat lines are pretty modest compared to the rest of the rookies around the league, but just uh, his impact and his effort on the defensive end. And, and it, I mean, he just seems like a guy who loves playing next to Marcus Sol and <laughs> learning from this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he prides himself in his defense, and what a perfect place for him to, for him to have fallen. I mean, I'm sure Memphis would have also liked uh, Doncic on their team, uh, but sure. Jackson <laughs> is just... Great. It's, it's been great for these guys. And Kyle Anderson as well kind of started off the season pretty slow, but looks like he's found his 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 role with these guys a little bit. Right, yeah. I mean, Kyle Anderson, never really a flashy player at all, and that's exactly what you want when you're in Memphis, you know? Right. You're just quietly going about your work. Um, the pieces just work together for this team. The chemistry's there. Mike Conley has to be one of the most underrated players in the league still. By far. By far. Yeah. No no one gives any respect to Mike Conley. Like mm-hmm. it's been so long. Like he's had years of amazing production and it's just so easy to forget about him because he he's in Memphis and it's not right. flashy and he doesn't put up highlight reels like like these other guys do, but he just gets the job done, man. He understands the game of basketball better than most everybody. Yeah, and his his stats are usually, again, uh, compared to other point guards in the league who you would consider top 10 are kind of modest. But I think, I mean, you take into consideration the pace, the defense, and the usage rate on Mike Conley. He's got he's up there for as the top point guard in this league at 20 points a game, six assists at 31 years old. He's having one of his best seasons right now and mm-hmm. same with his same with his partner in Marcus Gasol 18 points and 9.4 rebounds playing just as well as he did when he won defensive player of the year back <laughs> in 2012 yeah uh, these guys are finding the fountain of youth right now and <laughs> I mean I mean both of these guys have been plagued by injuries as well the last three to four years so it's kind of scary to think how much of this team hinges on these two guys and their injury history mm-hmm. uh, we're 25 percent through the season uh, how do you think this is going to last? I mean, I kind of have, I'm a little scared. I'm uh, a little scared about these guys. Yeah. I'm scared too. Just because, yeah, it's, it's so hard to believe in them because you just look at the roster and you're like, yeah, they just, they just can't, there's just no way they can maintain this. But right. I, I really do think that there is a good chance as long as Mike Conley stays healthy, as long as Gasol stays healthy. And that's the difference from the Clippers is that this team cannot sustain injuries. If any, if any of their key guys get hurt, they don't have someone to step up and fill the shoes. Like They don't have the same amount of depth. They have a lot of good guys off the bench, but nobody on that team can replace Conley and nobody on that team can replace Gasol. Right, and that's that's the... That's the tricky situation Memphis finds themselves in right now. Is they have this pick top eight protected, but they're also they're also on such a fine line to keep up the the good production of basketball they're playing right now. Like it only could just take is yeah Mike Conley being out three to four weeks, and all of a sudden this team is back in lottery discussion. <laughs> right, they get to keep that top eight pick. 
Yeah, and the thing that's impressive to me about this team is they're doing all this while Chandler Parson is taking 20% of their Ooh. cap and while giving absolutely zero <laughs> production. I mean, this guy can't even suit up and yeah. play for the team. Is he hurt right now? I, I don't even know. Or is he just a coach's I, decision uh, not play? <laughs> Uh, I think he has some soreness officially. A soreness. I think that was the last thing I saw listed. <laughs> he has some but soreness. Yeah, he I, he has not played at all this. I mean, he's played a couple minutes, but he's not in the rotation. Wow, that that is just crazy. Like, man, if they can get him off the books and sign someone useful, this team gets even better. Like, yeah, that's that's good to see for them. Like, mm-hmm. th- there's room to grow. Right. I mean, it's just it's gonna be difficult to trade a twenty million plus unproductive contract <laughs> yeah maybe the nets will take it on maybe but, yeah yeah i mean moving on from the the teams that are surprising us in a good way to teams that are surprising us in a bad way i mean we have to bring up the boston celtics right. uh, the team we thought would be the consensus number one seed in the east potentially have the best record in the league this year bringing back gordon hayward having a healthy kyrie irving and they're barely holding on to a 500 record, and they're just in a in a dogfight with a lot of these teams in the East and those middle seeds. Uh, Alan, yeah. what's going on with these guys? You know, i i have a, I haven't watched a lot of Boston Celtics games. I guess I just assumed they were gonna you know play out of this funk, but like they're 11 and 10 right now, so they're one yeah. game ahead of 500. So. That's good. That's good compared to what they've been. Uh, so I started watching some games, try to figure out what it is. I mean, when you look at their defense, it's almost identical. The uh, the surprising thing is it seems like where they're struggling is actually on the offensive end. Uh, they have the 27th ranked offense. They're 26 in field goal percentage. Um, and no player on this roster is shooting over 50% from the field Ouch. at this point. I mean, we're talking about a team that was top – top notch in three point percentage and, and I mean last year they weren't great shooters but hey if you're gonna if you're talking about uh being a contender here even in the Eastern Conference you can't be 26 in field goal percentage <laughs> um unfortunately it looks like Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics just can't get get themselves to find good shots um Jason Tatum Kyrie Irving uh Gordon Hayward shooting like 40 percent from the field 29 percent from three uh this team's just struggling to get good shots at this point uh, one stat that stood out to me is that they've taken, they've attempted the third fewest shots at the rim. So they're just struggling to just get themselves some easy shots. Uh, everybody's averages are just worse than last year. That's so surprising to me because we were looking at Brad Stevens last year as like a generational talent at the coach, at the head coaching position. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, he has more talent to work with now of course he's going to succeed with it. Right. And apparently not like, right. I don't know what, I don't know how he's not able to figure this out a quarter of the way into the season. It's, it's pretty perplexing to me that a guy that, that, that has that much talent to coach a team is struggling so much to start the season with a team that should be just clobbering opponents because of the amount of depth and the amount of all-star talent that they have on this team um, not to mention yeah. their their great young players like Rozier, Tatum, and Brown. Like, how do you not make this team work? This it's not like you added anything negative. Gordon Hayward is not like a negative locker room presence. He's not a negative player on the floor. I mean, sure, he's a little rusty to start the season, but like he's not he's not ruining the team. Like, I can't point to Hayward and say like this is the reason they're losing. You know? No. Yeah, and it's it's it's. It wouldn't be fair to do that. I think Gordon Hayward is struggling, but just because he's struggling doesn't mean that the Boston Celtics have to struggle, right? Right. Like, um, his usage rate is not nearly at the level that you would expect it to be, and it's okay. There's enough talent here to make up some of that missing production from other players. I think part of it is also Brad Stevens has been adamant of making uh, the lineup that he originally drew up in the preseason and to start the season work. Um, but now it looks like he finally... Um, has moved away from that and has shifted by bringing Marcus Smart into that starting lineup and moving Gordon Hayward to the bench, which looks like it's been done seamless. So that speaks to Gordon Hayward's character, um, recognizing, you know, he's having a a tough time getting to the rim. He's having a tough time just putting the ball in the hole right now, uh, both both from mid-range territory and three-point territory. So with Marcus Smart in there, it'll hopefully completely change the the dimension of this team, at least to start off games in that starting lineup. Maybe they can get back to 
that mentality of, of just sort of uh, defending the ball and, and letting their defense create their offense for now. Yeah, because I mean, you mentioned the, it already, though. They're second in defensive rating. It's like, you can't get that much better. You just need to make your shots already. Like, if you can't true. score off of these, uh, yeah, they're, they're playing, like, good defense. But, yeah, if you can't score it, then, yeah. I mean, I get, I want to just think it's a fluke. I want to just think that th- they'll eventually just figure it out. Like, it'll just click. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I think so. I mean, defense seems to be uh, one of the harder things uh, for a for a team to sort of maintain consistently and and they got that going for them so I think it is just a matter of everybody becoming more comfortable with one another and Brad Stevens sort of figuring out some better lineups and and how to uh, distribute the minutes and and which lineups play well with one another so I think they'll figure it out and the Eastern Conference um, because it's not the West it's not that deep I don't think they quite get to fifty six games like they did last year. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not no. get, I'm guessing that again. I I was very yeah. confident and it worked out for me last year, but not not this year. They're looking more like a forty five win team. Exactly. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hit a big win streak and they get themselves back on track and you know still finish with probably forty eight games at best. I think at this point, yeah. which is still pretty good uh, in, c- considering the Eastern Conference. I know just the talent this team has. I can't. Like, I can't imagine them not going on a hot streak, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, once you're in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs. And, right. Um, and that doesn't even matter. There. Yeah, Cavs were four seed last year, so. Exactly. I mean, and I mean Boston, back in the last time they made it to the NBA Finals, they made it as a four seed as well right. against that Laker team. Yeah, there you go. So, it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on from there, let's go to Utah. Utah, another team who stumbled off the blocks to start the season. And, I mean, I said it last time we recorded a podcast. I said, I feel like a trade is coming for this team. <laughs> um, but I didn't think it was going to be this guy. So, <laughs> Kyle Culver traded to the Utah Jazz for Alex Burke and two second-round picks. 37-year-old Kyle Corver, the three-point specialist, going to a team that definitely needed some three-point shooting. The Utah Jazz ranked 29th currently in three-point shooting as a the team shooting overall 31%. Ouch. And they're adding a guy who shoots 40% from three. So it's a plus. So I'm not <laughs> sure this is really the guy that they need. Yeah, no, this isn't the guy you're envisioning them getting. No. Who, who I mean, are you this... looking at? Who are you looking at for them to get that you thought would actually make an impact for this team? You know what this team needs? This team needs a Shelvin Mack. A <laughs> Shelvin <What> Mack. <laughs> this team needs a Rodney Magruder. Yeah, Rodney. Yeah, Rodney Magruder is gonna be the guy that really turns things around for the Jazz. That that will be I mean, the day. <laughs> I mean, in a fantasy world, of course, the Utah. If they get Jimmy Butler, of course, they instantly get better. Yeah, Bradley but I mean, Beal. Reali- Bradley Beal, exactly. <laughs> but realistically, what this team does need, I mean, I. What's weird is that what they need is the guy that they gave away, which is Alec Burks. They need a guy who can, who's just a flat out, who's just a scorer, you know, a guy you can bring in, um, a Lou Williams type guy to, for simplicity, a guy who can handle the ball, create his own shot, um, and just get the offense moving. Because right now this team is relying so much on Donovan Mitchell, who's not, who's not playing at the same level he was last year. Ricky Rubio's also just fallen a little bit on the offensive end, um, and they needed a spark plug and. I mean, Alec Burks was that guy last year. He was that guy certainly in the playoffs as well, putting together some double-digit efforts against the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. But this year, man, he just has struggled. And so Utah felt like – and I thought – I think it's a good move. They got rid of him and got Kyle Korver, though. Basically what they needed was the Alec Burke of last year, just the spark plug off the bench and – Kyle Culver's a good shooter, but he's not that scorer that they needed. Yeah, I mean, he's 37. You're, you traded for a 37-year-old right. man, and you gave up two second-round picks along with your young guy who's underperforming. I, that says desperation to me a little bit. Exactly. Nope, it does. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, like the U- Utah's just trying to desperately find a way to get their way back into this Western Conference race. I mean, in reality, they're only a few games behind the eighth seed at this point, but... They, they had a need, and they saw it addressed, but, I mean, it's at the expense of a young guy that maybe was just in a big slump, and now now maybe he's, he's going to play better the rest of the year. It's hard to say, but, hey, I mean, for the Cavs, uh, they get a guy that um, he can instantly contribute to that team. Uh, maybe not as good as a shooter, but Corver, but he's still, like you said, a good playmaker, and he has an expiring contract, which is really valuable. I think that's probably the most valuable thing they're thinking about. They're not really thinking about a competitive roster, 
at this mm-hmm. point. And they, and they get two picks along with him, which is huge for them. I mean, granted, they're second rounders, but hey, Draymond Greens exist. But true. Yeah, I think I think it's a great move for the Cavs and and for Kyle Korver. He gets to go to a team that should be a contender in the West, and it's something that he wanted since LeBron James left. So it's good good on yep. them for at least, at least helping out Kyle Korver. And here's a side note: Alec Burks will be reunited with George Hill and Rodney ah, Hood. That's right. Yeah, that team from two years ago, man. Who would have thought yes. they'd all be broken up and on the worst team in the league two years later? <laughs> I almost wonder if if they attempted to get Jordan Clarkson with this same trade. Mm, See, Jordan I, I don't Clarkson, know. I mean, if we're talking about three-point shooting, like Corver's your guy. Corver is your guy. But Jordan Clarkson is just so much better. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say so much better. He's not the <laughs> great attacker slasher, but he can do it. Um, they should have traded for David Nwaba. <laughs> they need some. They just need something like that because they rely so much on Donovan Mitchell to create offense for them. Uh, I mean, they were hoping Derek Favors was going to take a little step forward and Ricky Rubio was going to keep doing what he did last year. But these guys have just regressed. Uh, I think Utah ultimately is just being affected by the rule change more than anybody. The handshake somehow, one? Yeah, somehow like Memphis has adjusted. Uh, I mean, the Clippers have mm-hmm. adjusted because they're playing tough physical defense as well. But Utah... <laughs> Seems to just be having a, a hard time doing it. Yeah, well, you know how the Clippers adjusted. They put Pat Beverly on the bench and said, we're going to play you less minutes so your six fouls are worth more, so go go after it. <laughs> this man that averages like five fouls every ten minutes, but that's all that, he needs to do. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are struggling a little bit this year, and, I mean, I, I honestly can't say I'm, like, super surprised because the West is super competitive. A lot of teams improved. And you know what? Jonathan Mitchell, he's a second-year player still. You know, It's so hard to just lean right. on a guy. I mean, he has all these expectations on him now where he's, he did in his rookie season. And it might be a reason why he's not playing as well. It's just the, the nerves of having to be that best player, the next, the next Mamba, you know? Right. Uh, and that Kobe shadow a little bit with him and Jason Tatum. So He might have gotten a little bit over... Might have might have came a little bit too easy last year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little spoils the riches thing, and yeah. no, th- and this the- team. I mean, they they ended the season thirty one and ten last year. Let's not forget. So, I, I I'm not it. I'm not too concerned about them, and I mean I'm excited to see what Kyle Korver can do on this team. It could be that he's injured five games from now. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Over. Sure, we could we could say that too, but I'm not. I don't. I want to take injury into account for any of that. I will say this, though. Had they not made the Donovan Mitchell discovery, this is probably where this team would be. Oh, totally. Like, they might even be stoked that the record they have right now <laughs> if Donovan Mitchell didn't pan out to be that player. But, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or if he was just half the player he was last year. Um, so, I mean, it's still a positive. So, anyways. But how about Markel Fultz? I mean, the oh. Markel Fultz <laughs> lo- saga continues. And I don't know how we might be talking about this guy outside of basketball performance for the next two years until this his rookie deal just is completely yeah. gone. I I, um, I honestly think, yeah, if this continues through this year, like, we're not going to be talking about him next year. Like, he's just going to fade off into irrelevancy. I mean, what's happening right now, like, they're not even playing him. He's not with a team. He's going to see, quote, shoulder specialists, and they can't even find anything wrong with him. So it's all in his head, it seems. But... He just keeps finding more and more second opinions, trying to figure out what's going on with him. But I think it's just he's he's got to just figure out his head. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's hard to say what is going on without actually knowing the guy or talking to him. Or, but I mean, at least he's coming out and saying some stuff, unlike what we saw with Kawhi Leonard last year. Sure. And and I mean, Jimmy Butler yesterday gave an interview defending Markel Fultz's character and. Maybe not defending it, but sort of speaking on it, um, saying things like the team loves him. They love having him there. Uh, so, I mean, interesting quotes for a guy who's only been in Philadelphia for, what, two weeks? Yeah, and a guy that's notorious for ragging on his teammates that he thinks are not just playing up to the what they should be. Right. So, I mean, and Joel Embiid has said has given several quotes about uh, Markel Fultz as well. So... I'm leaning more towards that this guy love does like the game of basketball and he's really uh, genuinely trying to get better. 
but the question obviously is uh, what what is it that he's trying to get better from? <sighs> yeah, it's so hard. And you, you see teams like the Cavs and the Suns interested in trading for him, and it's like, ah, uh, it's so sad. I just don't, I don't know what to think of it. It's like this is the number one pick, man. I mean, it uh, sure it's it happens. Like Anthony Bennett's happened, you know. Like sometimes the number one pick just doesn't work out. Um, but yeah. yeah, just hard to see before our eyes as we've been doing this podcast. He was one of the big exciting stories that we first started out with uh, last year when we started and we really like started digging into the NBA and really becoming familiar with everything. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of different though. Let's see. I mean, Anthony Bennett, he's a little undersized for his for his for his position. Maybe the Cavs did think a little too much of him. But, I mean, you think about guys like Kwame Brown, you know, uh, a big bust as well. But he still had a productive NBA season uh, career, um, and he still looked like a basketball player out there. Yeah. And so did Anthony Bennett, uh, any of these, any bust you pick him. But Markel Fultz genuinely doesn't look like an NBA-level player when he's out there. Yeah, he just he looks afraid. Is, yeah, yeah, which is and, the odd thing. Uh huh. And he just uh, he doesn't even want to be out there. He's not even with the team right now because he feels like this is this thing is so like mentally ingrained in him. But now it's just he doesn't know what to do about it. And yeah, yeah there's just I don't know. I don't know how long it's gonna a, last. Do you make a trade for him if you're you know? Because no, I think Memphis you can't is get a team that for could. Him. Right. What are you gonna get? Who's gonna offer anything for this guy right now? He's like the biggest head case. You get you get like a second round pick in like Isaiah Kanan. Is that worth <laughs> it? You think if you're the 76ers, no. you just walk away from this situation? You have to just continue with the risk. He's on the rookie contract still. It's not True. a huge risk if you just you just hope and pray that within the next two years he can just figure his head out. That's a lot mm-hmm. of time. I mean, there's, yeah, there's lots of therapists out there, lots of sports yeah. therapists out there. I mean, this team did move away from Jahil Okafor. Right, yeah, that, I, he went vegan, and he is weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, he punched a guy, too. He punched a guy. Markel <laughs> Fultz has not punched a guy yet, so they're going to keep him. Right. How about this Bradley Beal situation? He's on the trade market. I'm not I'm not buying this, man. I don't think the Wizards are actually going to trade Bradley no? Beal. Man, they need I to do something. So. This team is so bad. It It is, but, <laughs> man, if you're the, if you're the Washington Wizards... It's hard to just let guys like that go. So they're they've somehow managed their way back into the ninth seed because of just how weak <laughs> right. this Eastern Conference is. <laughs> For sure. At thirty eight percent, eight and thirteen, they're the ninth seed. So they're right there. I mean, do you really just let go of somebody like Bradley Beal? I, and if you do, like, what is the package you you think is? I acceptable mean, you can here? get something really good for Bradley Beal and future assets and younger stars, but. Yeah, because he's on a really good contract too at just twenty five million a year. Because um, mm-hmm. he signed it back in twenty sixteen, but like you're not going to get rid of John Wall's contract. And I feel like you have to do something. You cannot be okay being the eighth seed in the East. That is not what you want to do with two All Stars on your roster. It's just not working. Like, sure, yeah. you're you're getting playoff ticket money revenue because you're making the playoffs, and maybe you get like a six game uh six game playoff round. And you sputter out like every other year but like how many years are you gonna do that for you know like the raptors they take right. these risks they're they're not satisfied just making the playoffs every year they they go out and they get Kawhi leonard and they trade away their all-star player um that's paid off for them hugely so far so i think the wizards gotta do something like that who's the team you think that has it has that package that'll satisfy both their team as well as the wizards the lakers do the Lakers have the, the package. Lakers. The Lakers have all the young guys that you want. You want Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram. That that's like the package of guys. You maybe even Kyle Kuzma for one of those guys. I don't know, but Kyle Kuzma, like Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram, um, those are the guys that you'd be looking for if you if you're gonna trade away a guy like Bradley Beal of his caliber. I mean, if you're Washington, yeah, no doubt you you would want Kuzma and. Ingram or a combination of Ingram Lonzo or Ingram Hart, Kuzma and Hart. Yeah. Though I think they'd probably stick with Ingram just to replace the exact same position. Um, but I, if I'm the Lakers, I don't think that's that good of a deal, man. I don't think I want. I would want Bradley. You don't think, I think so? I, I think I would. Bradley I'd Beal's want to keep a stud. betting on my young guys. He is. He's on an expiring deal. And he's not deal, old. So you, he's not old. 
He's not. You have to pay him next year. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think that's the guy I want. I think I'd rather keep my rook, my young guys, <sighs> maintain that flexibility to to get another another uh, big signee to uh, next year. Yeah, maybe, but I I don't know. Uh, Bradley Beal would improve this Laker team for sure. In the short term, yes. In the yeah. short term, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If you're talking about the, trying to win the next two years, like I, that's the move you make. If you're trying to win in like three or four years, you keep Ingram and Kuzma. That That's where I'm at with it right now. It just doesn't feel like the right move it for me. It doesn't feel least, right, but it might be. <laughs> at least not from the Lakers' point of view. From the Wizards' point of view, that sounds great. <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. You, more room for John Wall. <laughs> right. I mean, you get Brandon Ingram at $5 million a year. Kuzma as well at like, like $2 million, million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and these guys are productive dudes. Like, hell yeah, kid take those guys but i'm for the lakers i'm not sure i would want bradley beal's worth um i mean next year you'll probably have to sign him for something around the exact same like 22 to 26 million dollars a year yeah i mean he's worth it he's an all-star player he but is. yeah i like it all comes down to you think you can win a championship with a with a core of lonzo beal and james yeah i don't think so i don't feel it yeah i don't feel it but I don't know. It, it intrigues me is all. Yeah. Let's take a look at the injury report. Some guys out. Denzel Washington undergoes season-ending <laughs> ankle injury. Did you say Denzel Washington? <laughs> Did I say that? I mean Denzel. Oh my God. I saw Denzel in my no, brain automatically. No, not Denzel Washington. <laughs> Please not Denzel Washington. We need you. Denzel Valentine undergoes season-ending ankle injury before his season even starts. Yeah. Uh, not expected to resume basketball activity for six months. What's the story on this guy? That's the story. I mean, he sustained <laughs> an injury that at first just looked like a, a sprain, like an ankle sprain uh, in training camp. And then a few weeks later is actually re-diagnosed as a bone bruise. And now he's getting surgery for it. So, man, brutal for this for this guy who, I mean, he had some solid minutes with the Bulls last year. He's a solid NBA player. Uh, it just sucks yeah. to see see a guy just miss an entire season. Just anytime you see that, it's just horrible. Yeah, definitely missing out on some time to build some chemistry with uh, Zach Levine and Jabari Parker, yeah. who are killing it right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, killing it while this, this team's still not playing very well. This, I mean, they they need marketing <laughs> back. They need Chris Dunn and Bobby Port. Man, this Bulls team is so injury prone. This is so sad. Right. Five, five and 17. That's what, that's what comes out of that. Uh, Pal Gasol out indefinitely with mm. stress fracture and left foot. I am not surprised. <laughs> I called it. I called, called it. it. I didn't call you all preseason. <laughs> I was like, dude, Pal Gasol is not going to play 82. He's not even going to play 60 games this year. Yeah. Well, you won that bet now. <laughs> I mean, I love Pal Gasol. He was a Laker and he was a great Laker and he had a great NBA career, but yeah. I don't. He's been cheating himself how long he's been playing, <laughs> and how he's still a starter in this league. And it just had to come to an end. And I think I'm not this. I'm not saying this is going to end his career, but it's, I mean, it's going to put a large, a big a large like stop to it. Though I mean, you don't have that many years, like you're saying, Paul Gasol. If you're going to be out for so long, I mean, you got to be thinking about retirement soon. Yeah, and Jacob Portal as well. Um, or actually, he's not injured. Never mind. I'm just <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna step, step up. up. Yeah, no, he's got. He, I mean, they got him in the trade. I mean, they gotta start using him now. So hopefully, he can step up. He's a young guy. Um, the Spurs always find a way to at least stay competitive. But now they're under 500. Um, on the outside looking in, this this is gonna be Greg Popovich's greatest triumph if he's able to get these guys into the playoffs. It's not happening. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm still staying. You, you still with think that. Utah has a better chance, don't you? I do. Yeah, I you do. do. I still don't. You know who's I mean, not I'm, injured? Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge. What I mean, if one DeMar of those DeMar guys De- gets hurt? Then yeah, they're not making it. But as long think, as they're healthy. Yeah, and I do think Demar Derozan will stay healthy for most of this year. Lamarcus Aldridge, I have my question marks. He, really? He's had some injuries here and there. He's not, big she's ones. not shown any signs of being unhealthy, though. Like He seems like he's just fine. True, but even if they are both healthy, I still think that 
Uh, this is too much for this for this young for this team. <laughs> it always seems like too much. We thought having no point guard going into the year would be too much for them, and they're they're still hanging in there. That's true. They're there. Um, I still... It really only takes a three game winning streak, and they're back in there. They're back in the race. Yep. Uh, but can they get that? I'm not sure, man. I still stand by sure. that they're gonna have a better record than the Jazz by the end of the season. I still stand that <laughs> that they just won't make the playoffs. Period. All right, sure. They, they might. They might not, but they'll be better than the Jazz. The chances of that are are looking a little bit better now. Mm-hmm. I because I thought that was I thought that was outrageous. Being said <laughs> yeah, that. but, but now, now it's actually yeah. looking pretty true. There uh, you go. I actually might be right for once. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Payton fractures his finger in his first game back from his injury. Oh. <laughs> I've, I, know, I was kind of surprised you wrote this, and I was like, Alfred Payton out? Wasn't he already out? Right. Yeah, he came <laughs> so, back five minutes into playing. He breaks his finger, like, out at least one more month now. Man, this is a guy that looked so ready to just break out uh, this yeah, year. He, he was having an amazing start to the season, getting these Pelicans off to, a, like, a 4-0 start, and everyone was raving about the Pelicans. Then you see Anthony Davis get injured here and there, but Alfred Payton, man, they without like a true point guard there, Drew Holiday's just been shouldering the load, and he's really good, but they lack that true point guard now that Alfred Payton gave them, and he was playing so well. Um, that's just that is a huge piece for them, despite them having guys right. that are overachieving like Julius Randle and Miritich. Um, they they still need that true point guard. That basketball is a team game. You need people to fill in those proper roles. If you don't. Doesn't matter how good, how many power forwards you have on your team and how good those guys <laughs> right, yeah, are. Yeah, plenty of those. I mean, you can't have Drew Holiday playing 42 minutes a game mm-hmm. uh, to fill that point guard. And, yeah. I mean, they got Tim Frazier right now. Uh, hopefully, he can put together a string a couple games with them because the Pelicans, they've they've fallen off from their hot start mm-hmm. to start the year. Yeah, they're only looking at around 500 right now too. A lot of these teams who we thought were going to be gangbusters going into this year just. Man, look, do not look good. Uh, it, yeah, it's rough, man. Regular season takes its toll. It does. That's the NBA, man. It's you got to stay consistent. It's a long haul. Um, but the teams that are trending good right now, surprisingly, the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have been in this podcast almost every episode, <laughs> whether they're a hot team, uh, a, sinking a worst team. performer, a sinking <laughs> team. Hey, or... They'll they'll make a perform uh, world's performance later. Just you wait. Yeah, so they've hit every category, and we've had, what, maybe five episodes to start the year so far? Yeah, so, right yeah now? five six. or six, yeah. So right now, they're, they're, they got to ride this positive, though. So they're on a four-game winning streak, and they're back at 500. They're not quite in the playoff picture yet, but they're right there. What are they, the ninth seed currently right now? Yeah, they're tied with a bunch of those teams at 500. Right. So they're there. They're fourth defensively and and defensive efficiency since the Jimmy Butler trade. Surprisingly, since that trade, they've been six and two. Where before that trade, they were four and nine. So that's crazy to me. I mean, it's not crazy that they were four and nine before because of all that dysfunction. But it is mm-hmm. crazy for me that they just all of a sudden are playing like a playoff team uh, with two yeah. new guys inserted in. You lose one of your best players. Uh, Jimmy Butler, a guy that I think is touted for his defensive prowess um, and what he brings on that side of the court. And, I mean, I don't know if this speaks to just the camaraderie that they finally have because he's gone or because Robert Covington is that good of a defender. It's Robert Covington. Yeah, you think so, huh? Oh, yeah. So the story here was we all thought Andrew Wiggins was going to finally just break out of his shell and, you know, become – who we all thought he was going to become a top 10 two guard, top five two guard in this league. I mean, he's still Andrew Wiggins. Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins is still Andrew Wiggins, but Robert Covington has Oof. just added another, another, uh, some, just some edge to the Timberwolves team. And he was a, he was an underrated piece to that 76ers team last mm-hmm. year as well. Um, so I think he was the key piece of that trade, not really Dario Saric so much. Yeah, I thought Saric would have a little more of a role on this team, uh, giving them death. But I mean, Thibodeau likes to play. His starters a lot of minutes, and that doesn't leave a lot for Saric, um, who I, I thought could play pretty well for this team. But Covington, he's just right right off the bat playing him over 40 minutes a game. Um, just loving the way this guy's playing, though. Like, huge defensive intensity, like you were saying. Great three-point shooter. And, man, it's crazy to me that uh, with this trade, both teams ended up being more competitive than they were before. 
which usually you just see one team becoming competitive and the other teams maybe rebuilding or something like to that matter. But both of these teams look like they improved from the trade. So pretty impressive. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, pluses on both sides here. Um, so the Timberwolves probably a little bit happy. Maybe Tom Thibodeau or Robert Covington, I should say, might have just saved Tom Thibodeau's job right now. Yeah, but- seriously, though. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we, we were talking about Thibodeau getting fired. Just a few yeah. weeks ago when the trade did happen, we're like, yeah, yeah, he's gone now. Like, they're not even going to compete. But, yeah, Covington, man. Whew. This guy's yeah, going to earn the, himself a contract. Exactly. I mean, yeah, Tom Tipper's going to want to pay this, man. Mm-hmm. He saved his job. Yeah. If, if, they, if they go to the playoffs, Tom Thibodeau stays on the Timberwolves staff. If they don't go to the playoffs, Tom Thibodeau is fired in this, uh, come summertime. Right. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, also right. another four-game win streak. We got the Denver Nuggets back in the picture. Uh, they fell off for a little bit there, but hey, they're back in it now. Um, they're all playing really well. Um, back at third in the West. What do you think about these yeah. Nuggets, Alan? I think that I think they're the real deal. I mean, and I think we're gonna see this with a lot of these conf- Western Conference teams as they're gonna fluctuate up and down, but some will fall further than others. And I think the Nuggets are gonna be one of those teams. That are, they're gonna fluctuate between the second seed, maybe drop down to the sixth seed at times, but they're the real deal. And um, I, I, they have a lot of pieces here. When you talk about depth, you talk about Joe kick, Jamal Murray, taking another step forward in his game. Gary Harris struggling a little bit. Uh, he's injured right now, but I think he'll be back. And I mean, they still got some secret weapons uh, to look forward to in Isaiah Thomas and uh-huh. Michael Porter jr. That's right. Maybe, maybe making their appearance at some point this year. Uh, Joe kick. He's the real deal. And, I, I like this team. They've gotten some wins against some some big teams, against the Lakers, the Wolves, the Thunder. Um, they got Will Barton coming back also at some point in December. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite underrated players, Will Barton. This mm-hmm. I think this guy is one of those guys that's just never going to get the credit he deserves for how good of a player he is. And yeah. he he was a, he had great performances in his first two games with Denver before he got hurt, unfortunately, but. Hey, man, once this guy comes back in a, maybe a few weeks, I would say, uh, conservatively, he's going to just come right back and he's going to be an instant contributor to this team, get them back to where they were as the second seed in the West before um, in the first few weeks in the league. But, yeah, I, all good things for the Nuggets right now, man. I, this team's got depth at every position. Um, everyone's wow. contributing, and Jokic is just a monster. Yeah, and you got – I mean, Jokic right now looks like he's being challenged um, – for best player on the team by is by Jamal Murray. Yeah, and it looks like they're trading that they're trading that label <laughs> night in and night out. Right. Yeah. I mean that that's something that they share with the Clippers. Kind of you don't really know who the best player is on the team, but that's a good thing because you have so many guys that can step up. Uh, you're not just yeah. relying on one guy. And Jamal Murray, man, he's young, but he's he is playing really well right now, and he's adapted to the NBA game. Yeah. Very well. Um, how about sinking teams? The Houston Rockets, four-game losing streak. <laughs> Chris Paul out with uh. hamstring injury. Can this team? I mean, it looked like they were they were kind of ticking upwards. They got they got a couple wins, and now they're back on this losing streak. Um, I mean, it is they did go on an Eastern Conference road trip, so maybe you can blame the schedule there. But they lost against the Pistons, the Cavaliers, yeah. and the Wizards before. And the Mavericks, yeah. actually. Yeah, so they lost that against Dallas yesterday. <laughs> yeah, those are all four games they should have won. And you can blame it on Chris Paul not being there. But, I mean, haven't we done the song and dance with this team before on the sinking teams? <laughs> like, shouldn't yeah. th- like they have one of their guys hurt. But last year, that didn't matter. They won these games despite having Harden hurt or having Chris Paul hurt. And it just mm-hmm. goes to show how much worse of a team they are this year. Like, they cannot win these games without one of these guys being in um, one of these guys being injured. Yeah, I mean, how do you lose to the Pistons in overtime and the Cavaliers? And the Cavaliers are... and the Cavaliers won. Like the Cavaliers were in control that game, like most of the game. Like I was listening to that one on the on uh, my League Pass radio, um, on my way back home on Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. or the day before Thanksgiving, and I was just like in awe at like how the Cavaliers were just controlling the game. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like, and it like we've, I think we've mentioned this probably every episode we talk about the Houston Rockets. Is yeah. Everybody knew this team was going to be different when they lost a Bube Monte and Trevor Reza, mm-hmm. except for them. Right. Except for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it passed by all of them. Yeah. Bringing in Carl Mel Anthony, that's going to solve everything. 
Uh, I mean, in his credit, to his credit, the last thing I'll say about Carmelo Anthony before I just never say anything about him again, um, they're losing, and he's not a reason that they're losing because he's not yeah. even playing. So he, that's the one well, positive he, for him. Yeah, he's he's getting some more slowly probably. The disrespect he was getting is going away. But, yeah, I mean, the truth is they were never losing because of Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, uh, he, 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 he just wasn't helping issues. them. Exactly. Yeah. He wasn't helping, so he was an easy scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're getting the true picture. And James Harden, honestly, his production is almost identical to what it was last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think his – let me see. Yeah, his everything across the board, points per game, minutes per games, is almost identical to his MVP, to his MVP season of <laughs> last year. Yeah, so. that's crazy, man. It, yeah, it's like that just goes to show, like, the team is just worse. Yeah. Yeah. How about the Brooklyn Nets four game losing streak as well? They were That's more expected. Uh, yeah, and it it kind of sucks because they were sort of like kind of a Memphis Grizzlies of the Eastern Conference, sort of a team that everybody doubted. Yeah, Cinderella but they were story. their way. Yeah, and Carice Levert having a great season. I mean, uh, it's clear that that injury uh has really affected this team and it was it was to be to be seen. Yeah, and it it is interesting to see though that Carries Levert meant so much to this team. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't a guy that you look at as, like, a pivotal player, like an all-star player. Like, we can't win without this guy. And that's what it's looking like. So his value is increasing with every Brooklyn loss, in my opinion. Like, th- this young guy is going to be special. I think if he meant this much for this Nets team, and he's only in his third year in the league, like, he's got a really bright future. Hopefully he can come back with at least a few months in this season, um, if all things go well, so he can get his basketball legs back under him. Um, yeah. I think the future is bright for Levert. And, yeah, mm-hmm. just this this losing streak by the Nets, that's all this shows is that Levert is a special player. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, come on, man, carry your team. <laughs> He's scoring. <laughs> He's just not winning. He is. That's true. That is true. So let's go to best performance of the week. How about Alonzo uh Tier, Trier. Alonzo Trier, yeah. Undrafted rookie. Yeah, I was you stole the word right out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I undrafted. got you. <laughs> undrafted rookie. You, you you can talk about Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson on this team all you want. They are drafted, but they're getting far eclipsed by this guy who wasn't even a pick in the draft. Uh, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists on 7-11 shooting off the bench uh, in a loss to the Pistons, but... This guy has inserted himself into the rotation uh, for Coach Fizz over there in New York, and he is performing well above, well, well above anything anyone could have expected from him at this point. Yeah, I picked him up for a little bit in fantasy, and he put together some good performances and some bad performances just because, I mean, that the lineups in New York just fluctuate. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like he's there to stay, and I, and I do regret dropping him now because uh, it looks like he's – slowly getting some momentum and it it could be that he he has carved himself some time in that coach Fizdale rotation yeah. in New York. Yeah, he just seems like a steady do-it-all player at this point. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor, he can create his own shot. And I mean, he's rebounding too. So I mean, for for a guard, like he's he's still like active on the boards too and seems like he's trying to contribute in every facet that he can. So Good bright yeah. spot for the Knicks, you know? Like, they got a few good rookies between Perz- well, like Porzingis a few years ago and him now. Uh, a few duds. Uh, we'll get into one of those later. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome for Trier. How about the Miami Heat sitting at 7-13th, and 13th, 11th in the Eastern Conference? Ouch. They're not going to sell any playoff tickets, so they just got to hope they sell out every regular season game with a guy like Dwayne Wade, you know, <laughs> a blast from the past, turning back the clock, 13 for 22, 35 points, five rebounds, six assists off the bench, and a loss against the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> hey, I mean, Bummer. Kobe did it. The Lakers were trash, and they sold out most games just with Kobe showing up and mm-hmm. shooting the ball. Maybe they can do that with Dwayne Wade here. Yeah, I mean – this isn't Kobe's 60-point night at last home game of the regular season type of thing, no. but 35 points for this man uh, off the bench, it, mind you. Like, that's yeah. really impressive. Uh, it shows, he's still a baller, man. Like, he's got old man legs now, but he can still ball. Yeah, there's there's never any doubt that these older guys can ball. It's just, I mean, he pours, he puts this performance together, then he's got to take, like, you know, 
three nights three nights in the cryo (laughs) chamber (laughs) (laughs) exactly just to get himself ready for the next game i mean he didn't play he didn't suit up for uh for the la- for the last game after after that game against the Raptors, and, yeah. I mean the Hawks walked away with the win there on yeah. Tuesday. So I mean it's cool to see that, but mm-hmm. certainly not a help in the bigger picture for this team. Yeah, I'd like to see Rodney Magruder put up a thirty-five point game. Rodney Magruder, give him some time, man. <laughs> give Rodney Magruder some time. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Man, Ronnie, Mer- you laughed when I said I, his name. I still don't and like he, him. I still and like him. He's a rotation so, player for this. He doesn't team. deserve these starter minutes, man. <laughs> How about Russell Westbrook? Twenty-three points, nineteen rebounds, fifteen assists, Ooh. and two steals. Of course, he did it over the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> so I think that's got to take a little bit off. Yeah, that. but hey, unlike James Harden, at least he beat the Cavaliers. That's true. This is true. Yeah, solid Russell Westbrook performance. Not much else to say about that. Yeah. About worst performers. This is a good one. This this is, I am pretty proud of my worst performance of the week this week. Let's see it. Let's see yeah, it. Yeah, so I mean, so these these two guys I'm bu- going to mention first, they're from this is from the same game, mind you. They did this in the <laughs> same game and the team still won, which is insane to me. And it was a blowout win, too. So we're looking at Robert Covington, a guy we were just touting how awesome he's been playing for these Wolves. Well, you know what he did for them on offense this night against the Bulls? He shot 1 of 18 from the field <laughs> with 10 missed three-pointers, only getting four points and six rebounds and fouling out. Hey, man, you got to keep shooting. It's that's insane. What you do. That's yeah. what you do. Right, shooters keep shooting, right? That's that's the right. mantra. But, I mean, yeah, I guess that applies to Andrew Wiggins, too. In the same game, Andrew Wiggins goes 0 for 12 with 0 points total, 1 rebound, 1 assist, 1 turnover in 29 minutes. And the team man. still won with these guys combining for 1 of 30 from the floor. Yeah, I don't know what to think of that, but... What I will say, though, is this is the second time we've talked about Andrew Wiggins as the worst performance mm. of the week with a performance like this, just zero shots Nothing. made with 10-plus attempts. <laughs> Robert Covington, he's we haven't – he's you know, he wasn't a top-10 pick in the lottery, <laughs> and we didn't tout him for his offensive production. Yeah. We just said he brings an edge on the defensive side, and he'll give you some offensive production – the bigger question, though, is why was he allowed to take 18 <laughs> shots when you have Carl Anthony Towns on the team and yeah. Andrew Wiggins? I mean, yeah, they still managed to win this game somehow. 18 shots is a mm-hmm. lot of shots. But, I mean, what wasn't mentioned in the best performances of the week, because Carl Anthony Towns does this sometimes. He put up like 35 and 23 in this game. So he, right, he was so getting his, there. and he, he was the one that carried the team to the victory, really. But, yeah, Covington... I mean, he's gonna shoot, man. He's a three-point specialist, and he shot ten of these threes. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of them were open, but he's just having a bad night. I didn't even see the game, but right, could could have just been situational. Yeah. They gave him the shot. I mean, I guess you do. I mean, if he, if you're over nine, and you're the Bulls, yeah, I mean, <laughs> give him the ball. Let him, let this man keep shooting. <laughs> right. It's not like they were ever in danger of losing too. He wasn't like worried about missing a shot and costing them the game. It seems. Right. Oh, how about your boy from yes, New York? Yes, let's go to this one. So we, we talk, we're talking about Alonzo Trier as a, as a very promising rookie for the Knicks. Well, th- this guy is about the opposite of that at this point. This is Frank Nielakina, who we, we continue to mention here, unfortunately, because this man can just not put together a decent NBA performance. And this is a special one, too, because this is on back-to-back days that he put up these stats. So let's go back to Tuesday. Uh, in 15 minutes, uh, shooting zero for three from the field, putting up absolutely zero stats, no points, <laughs> no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks in 15 minutes. And but he did manage a turnover. <laughs> that was his one stat from and that. And you're like, okay, that was a bad game. Let's go to the next day on Wednesday. Almost the exact same production. 14 minutes, he misses zero. He misses all five of his shots. Zero points, zero rebounds, two assists. There you go. And then zero okay. steals, zero blocks. Just nothing. Absolutely That's, nothing. And you want to know why an undrafted rookie by the name of Lonzo Cheer is getting NBA minutes? <laughs> there you go. That's why. Yeah, a lottery pick, a top 10 pick, this guy, Frank the Tank. And he's got to be the biggest bust of that draft so far. 
in my opinion. Yeah. Like he is he is just not translating to the NBA game. I don't know what it is. He seemed like he had the specs to do it. He was a nice lengthy point guard. Um uh, played mm-hmm. really well in France. And, you know, that just happens sometimes, I guess. Yeah, it seems like the New York fans mistimed the booze that they gave to uh uh, European draftee. I mean, Porzingis <laughs> yeah. was booed, and that next that next year, uh, Frank the Tank was uh, got a mixed mixed response. Looks like he was the one that deserved the booze that uh, Porzingis got. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Kevin Knox this year, and he's not playing very well for them either. So, their their last two lottery picks have been god awful since Porzingis. Yeah, I mean, you just got to take some a little bit of patience. I think I don't know what's going on with Frank. Maybe maybe the the hype was too much. I think so. Kevin Knox, I, I'm still not ready to count him yeah, out. Yeah, I can't count him out uh, yet, but I'm not liking what I've seen so far. Yeah. There's still hope he's, he'll be some sort of a productive NBA player. Yeah. Star and all that, yeah, that's out the window. But, mm-hmm. though, not everybody can be a star. Um, yeah. But when you do have one, you got to keep them. And with final thoughts, <laughs> we got to close it out with a little thing about the New Orleans Pelicans who right now – we are literally watching them fight for the health of their franchise. And what I mean by that is since 2002, this team has finished with an above 500 record only six times out of the last 16 seasons. Um, right now, they're 11 for 11, and they have a top five player on their team in Anthony Davis. Um, he's not on an expiring deal just yet, but he is eligible for an extension come July 1st, 2019. So this year might just be the last year that they can hopefully convince Anthony Davis to sign another Supermax and stay in New Orleans for another five years. Because if they don't, then he'll head into next year or into the summer and basically tell him, hey, you know what? I'm moving. And then the New Orleans Pelicans will either decide to trade him th- this coming summer or just ride the rental and hope that they can re-sign him. But right now may just be the last time uh, we actually watch the New Orleans Pelicans with Anthony Davis. Um, and this is a team with not much upside, not much financial flexibility, unless you think Drew Holiday, Etuan Moore, Nikola Mirotic, and Randall can somehow become uh, first-team All-NBA players that can be paired up with Anthony Davis. Not likely. I'll say that. Not likely. <laughs> but, yeah, this Pelicans team is entertaining, man. I feel like if they can stay healthy, they have as good a chance as anybody. I mean, they were playing so well to start the season. I'd hate to see him go and not know what could have been. Yeah, this is true, but I mean, we'll see, man. They still got 75% of the NBA season left to go yeah. to turn this season around or maybe miraculously make a good enough trade to get this Pelicans team back on track and convince Anthony Davis to sign that extension come July 1st. But New Orleans is on the clock. Yeah, on the clock. I, I'm rooting for them. I, I, like I like this Pelicans team. I do too. We'll see what happens. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Check us out again next week. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, Like us on Facebook and uh, follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm sure we're on there. (laughs) Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.